You are listening to As a Woman, episode 102, Sexual Harassment. In this episode, I'm talking about harassment, abuse, and the culture of medicine. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I am interrupting the normally scheduled programming in order to bring you this episode on this topic that is really timely and I wish we didn't have to discuss. If you don't follow me on Instagram, maybe you're not aware that last week, a rather famous doctor on TikTok, he and the university which had employed him as a resident physician, were charged in a $45 million lawsuit for sexual harassment. Now, this makes news, one, because it shouldn't be happening. Nobody should show up to work and be afraid or uncomfortable to do their job because of the environment. And I'm going to dive into that. But two... The cover-up here was terrible. The victim reported over and over and over again to high-ranking people in the university, to both women and men, to people who were publicly said to be allies, to somebody in the Times Up Healthcare organization, and the system failed her. And that is the other side of this, is that there's two parts that are failing most people who are victims of sexual harassment and abuse. And it is, one, the system that allows it to happen, and two, the system that continues to allow it to happen, blames the victim, or has consequences for the victim's career. I opened up a question box on Instagram, as I've done with a few sensitive issues in the past, and said, if you share your story with me, I will make it anonymous and share it with others. And there were so many stories that I couldn't even I couldn't even open them all. I couldn't touch them all. I could not share them with everybody. There were hundreds. And it broke me a little. This has been really weighing on me this whole week because honestly, I thought that I'm so old. This must be antiquated behavior. And surely things must be different now. It can't be the same. People must have changed. The culture of medicine certainly doesn't tolerate this behavior anymore. And that is completely wrong. There are some people who are fabulous allies and who are standing up for change. And I did get some messages from program directors or residents who said, I'm so lucky I have somebody I know has my back and a position of power at my program. But the real thing here, and maybe this is why medicine and some other fields, but specifically medicine, has such a high culture of this, is that we allow people to have such power and such control of our lives. It's the nature of the system. Medicine used to be an apprenticeship, right? So that means somebody taught you what to do, but that somebody also got to say if you were good at it or not. And now what happens is that you need these people at multiple levels. If you're a medical student, somebody above you, residents, attendings, they are grading you, writing your letters of recommendation. 
When you're a resident, your program director has to vouch for you when you go get a job or especially if you're applying to fellowship. If you're applying for fellowship, you need that letter. You have to have it. So if that person who you go to to report something tells you that the best action is to let it go, what message is that telling you? And what option do you have? What about the attending who is well-liked and known in his field? What about your chief resident? And then it persists even in fellowship and in early employment when you have bosses and people who are controlling your future fate in the career. And the other problem is the acceptance of silence. Sometimes it's easier to just let a comment or a touch go than to make a big deal of it. Or you're told that it's easier or you're told you should let it go. But that is telling the perpetrator that that behavior is okay. There were no consequences for that remark about your boobs or that touch on the back or that inappropriate leg grab or that gaze that was too wrong or that sexual comment that had no meaning in the conversation about patients. And if you tell them silently that that is okay, the behavior will escalate, whether it's escalating with you or with the next person. And so we see trends from sexual objectification to harassment to abuse, and this is happening over and over again. I don't have all the answers. I 1,000% have been in the position of passively letting this happen and not doing anything about it or being told not to do anything about it, that there would be repercussions for my career. So I don't want anybody listening feeling bad if they have silently accepted some of this. That's what medicine has taught you to do. What I want to do is bring light, number one, you are not alone. You're not. If you think you're the only one this is happening to, you're not alone. Number two, just want to talk through what we should do when we encounter this. And it comes from patients and from peers and from those in power. And number three, what can we start to do about it? And the number one thing is that women must be advocates for other women and we must help. We must believe victims. We must help with reporting. But number one, you're not alone. I'm going to read a couple of stories. These are some I did not share on Instagram. And I could fill up, I could make a whole podcast, a whole show about this episode and fill up episode after episode after episode sharing these stories. There are so many, but I'm going to read a few of them just so you hear words that are not mine telling you that you are not alone. Just this year, I was harassed by a male attending. He had a reputation for being personal with his insults, and it was always directed towards petite women or men who didn't quite fit his outdated idea of toxic masculinity. When I brought this up to my program director, he told me that I was very emotional Nobody else has ever complained. And a day later, I got a call telling me that I am now on probation. So this is now forever a part of my record. I'm too scared to report it on the ACGME survey because apparently they have a way of finding out who said what, and I don't want any more repercussions. This happened to me too. A coworker was sitting next to me. He put his hand under my shirt and grabbed my breast. I was stunned. I told my superiors, who laughed it off and told me, let it go. I was assaulted by a fellow medical student while in med school. 
He was charged with aggravated assault against me, but the school took no action, despite me filing a Title IX suit. I was left depressed and with PTSD, and I had to see my abuser daily. I had to transfer schools, but he is now a practicing resident in OBGYN. I'm a medical student. On a surgery rotation, I was asked to fix one of the sterile drapes. I knelt down to the floor, and the surgeon said, Wow, on your knees so quickly. Usually I'd like to take you to dinner first, but I prefer this. The entire room started to laugh. Anesthesiologists, residents, nurses. I was told my only option was to tolerate his comments because the surgery rotation spots with other surgeons were already filled. So deal with it or do not graduate because surgery is required. As an intern, the department chair asked me what color bra I was wearing during rounds. Later, when I asked for financing to attend ACOG, he handed me a check and gave me a pat on the butt. In medical school, I was sexually harassed by a professor. I reported it to the dean. He told me if I keep talking, he'll make sure I have no career. I had to continue the semester dealing with his inappropriate comments and attempts to touch and kiss in public. I cried every day that year. I thought about quitting all the time. I haven't told anyone this, but on an away sub-I rotation, we went drinking. One of the residents took me home and raped me. I went to an emergency room at a different hospital, so no one would find out. I took photos of the bruises and bite marks, in case I ever needed to be believed. I spent that night in the ER and wasn't even late for my rotation the next morning. My female program director in residency told us to keep it to ourselves like everyone else has before us. It's a long-standing culture. I could read these on and on, and it would span so much time. And I'm just going to break down some of my thoughts. To be honest, this has really been on my mind this week. Sharing your stories has really opened a traumatic wound for me and for so many others. And I promise you, we're all trying to do something about it. But let's start at the beginning. What do you do in these situations? Number one, I think that a lot of us freeze because it's so shocking. You are there to learn. You're there to learn. And you think that by being there to learn, you should be able to. But that's not always the case. I think that let's start with when it happens from patients. Patients will sometimes say things about your appearance. Honey, darling, why don't you? Let's just all kinds of sexual comments. This is hard enough because you're just trying to do your job. And then it gets compounded by other people, nurses, residents, attendings, telling you to let it go or laughing or accepting that behavior. So number one, I think one of the easiest ways to try to come back from this is to repeat the question seriously. So if somebody, a patient comments on your breasts, you have the best chest and legs I've ever seen. Why don't you just get in this bed? Whatever. I can't even make up a good comment there. Repeat it back. Did you really just talk about my breasts when I am here in your room trying to take care of you as part of your care team? Is that really what happened? You are not silently accepting that comment and you're giving an opportunity. I think if the offender says, I'm so sorry, you're right, then you can carry on unless the offense happens again. If the offender says, yeah, what, what are you going to do about it? Or some other thing. You leave the room. You remove yourself from the situation. And you tell somebody. You tell your 
chiefs, your residents, your attending. And whatever they say, no matter how supportive or not, you follow it up with an email. Hey, Dr. Jones, thanks so much for supporting me today when we had that patient encounter who sexually harassed me in the room. Glad to know I have your continued support on this rotation. Or, Dr. Jones, as you're aware, I was sexually harassed while on rounds today by this patient. Would like to know your advice on how to handle this in the future since we had no constructive feedback at the current time. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No one shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited that summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan, it's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code AAW at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W 
to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. Leave a paper trail. Okay. I know maybe it's kind of weird. It's a weird email to send, but leave a paper trail. You need to document that these things are happening and that you are trying to go through the proper steps, period, the end. Okay. I actually think dealing with patients is an easier one because when your peers do not support you or your peers harass you or your boss harasses you, that's a completely different power dynamic because in the patient encounter, you have the power. You can walk away. In the other dynamic, the person above you has the power and they often control something about your future that you need. I wish I had been empowered enough in my training to do some of the things I'm going to tell you to do. I was not. I let them slide. I hate confrontation. I would literally tolerate things just not to have an awkward conversation. And then what will happen to some people you'll start to fear the attention of the sexual harassment or the objectification so much that you start changing. You start trying to fade into the background. You don't answer questions. You don't put yourself together. You feel like you're not even you. You're so fearful of coming to work in that encounter. And that's so wrong. You should be able to show up to work however you are, whoever you are, and be okay. So feedback for peers. Call it out call it what it is. Same thing, if that is the best way. I often think rephrasing the question is so easy because you don't have to come up with something witty. Somebody makes some comment about you on rounds. Oh, you're looking so cute today. Or, oh, should we just go into the call room for a moment real quick? Did you really just ask me to go into the call room when we're here to do our job and take care of patients? Is that what you said? Make them feel uncomfortable instead of letting yourself be the one to feel uncomfortable. You can also simply say no. No. You don't have to follow up no with any words or any explanation. Nor do I think you should feel inclined to. You don't have to tell somebody why you don't want to do this. You can simply say no or repeat the absurdities back to them. You can do it with touch also. Did you just touch me when you walked by me instead of just saying excuse me? Do you think that that is appropriate? Make the perpetrator feel uncomfortable instead of letting them make you feel uncomfortable. Document it. Open up your iPhone in the notes app. The day it happened, the time it happened, where you were, what happened. Keep a running list. If the same offender is doing the same thing over and over, keep it on a list. Find an ally. This is the one that's the hardest. Is that crazy? This is the one that's the hardest. Finding somebody to believe you. So first, I'm going to speak to everybody who is not a victim in this situation. You are guilty if you say nothing. If you're on rounds and you hear the comment and you let it pass too, guilty. If you see the guy doing the weird touch, guilty. If you hear the sexual joke in the OR, guilty. If you hear somebody making demeaning comments, guilty. If you hear a patient sexualize your female coworker, guilty. If you allow this behavior, your silent acceptance makes you guilty also. So come to the table and stand up for us. Say no. Call other people out. Say that's wrong. That's inappropriate. I'm going to report you. Do not act like this. Don't be a jerk. That type of allyship 
maybe it seems really easy for you or not a big deal, it means so much to us. It means so much to anybody who's ever been in this position of feeling like they couldn't be themselves or feeling uncomfortable in their workplace. The second is that you need to find somebody to report to you. There has to start being a trail of evidence because the guy who makes a comment may become the person who makes a touch, may become the person who rapes somebody. And then how is he treating his patients later, let alone his staff or his coworkers? We need to stop the behavior. And the very first thing is saying, this is not okay. What you do will depend on where you are. The truth is most major places should have a sexual abuse hotline. You should literally be able to call a number and report something. But I know because in practice, it's not always that easy. Who can you go to? Can you go to your program director if you're in training? Do you have a mentor you can go to? Do they support you or not? There's all these different roads in the field. So go to somebody. No matter what, follow it with the email. Hey, Dr. Smith, thank you so much today for talking to me about my experiences with sexual harassment. I appreciate your feedback and hope to resolve this in the future. Or if they're not supportive, same thing. Hey, Dr. Smith, thanks for taking the time to meet with me today to discuss the sexual harassment by a fellow resident. I appreciate your insight, but would like to know who you think I should report this to in the future in order to prevent this from happening to other people. Here's why putting it in writing is important. It should no longer be your word against somebody else's. Yes, this is wrong. You're the victim and you should be believed. I believe you. But make the reporter accountable. You've now created a paper trail. If you, if anybody else, is ever going to go sue this place, you now have documented that you reported it and that person's now held responsible for their actions. And maybe this will make them wake up. If they were a non-supportive person, maybe now they say, why am I being non-supportive? I need to jump on board. If they are being supportive, good. Now you're building a case. Not that you want to sue. Nobody wants to sue. We just want to see perpetrators held accountable for their actions. And you are laying the foundation. Okay, what if in the meeting you are immediately threatened with your career or your future, your fellowship? Go to somebody else. Go to somebody above. Go to another mentor. And you can keep the paper train going. If you don't feel comfortable emailing that person because they said, Natalie, if you pursue this, you're not going to get into fellowship, then fine. Find a mentor and say, Dr. Mehta, thanks so much for meeting with me. As you know, I previously discussed the incidents of sexual harassment from a co-resident with my program director. At this point, I am just looking for further guidance in order to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. I don't want you to change who you are. I don't want you to change how you act, except I want you to have confidence to know that you are worth standing up for. It is okay to say no. It is okay to call somebody out on bad behavior, and it is okay to escalate it. It's not just about you. Nobody's going to just sexually harass, abuse, assault one person. They're going to do it over and over again. So feel empowered that you have power. You do. You don't feel like you do. That's what the perpetrator wants you to feel. They want you to feel that power dynamic and that you have no other choice. I think what hit a lot of us here and what does in real life is when these incidents are reported to women 
And women sit back and say, do nothing about it because we all tolerated it. So you should also. I completely disagree with that sentiment. And you need to find somebody who can be your ally. If you can't, email me. Email me. Send me a message. Let's figure it out. I know for a fact there are friends of mine who, as this issue has come to light, are working on tangible ways to support victims. Having a team of lawyers who can help, having therapists who can help, having mentors who believe you. It's also been brought to my attention that there is a Twitter account, very much like that COVID physician's Twitter account. I don't know who's on Twitter here, but people would share anonymous stories. And this Twitter account is one that you can share your story. You can even call people out and start to bring action so that there are repercussions if you experience this. If you treat somebody poorly, you're going to have repercussions. If you abuse, harass, assault, you're going to be held accountable. So the Twitter account is called at ListenUpMed, L-I-S-T-E-N-U-P-M-E-D. So check it out and feel free to share your story. If you're in training, you have limited power, it feels like. I promise there are people who are on your side. There are helpers. We just have to find them. And we are here to help you. Medical training should not be an environment where you feel like you must be afraid or uncomfortable to go to work. Whether you're a nurse, a social worker, a PA, a med student, anybody, you should be able to show up and not be afraid and not be uncomfortable. If you're an employee, you're out of training and you're being treated poorly, you shouldn't be harassed. You shouldn't be emotionally manipulated. You shouldn't be sexualized at your work. You shouldn't be yelled at. These are really basic principles. And if you're not being treated right, leave. I want everybody to know that this should not be the culture of medicine. When I read these stories, I didn't have a female above me and my family in medicine. My grandfather was a physician and my uncle. But nobody ever talked about how women were treated throughout this process. And it honestly came to me as a surprise. Medicine's such a trusted field. I was shocked that this is how doctors treat other doctors or doctors treat doctors in training. At its current, I don't want my daughter to go into medicine. I don't care if she loves the body and wants to help people. She deserves better than what this culture has become. So it is on us to change it. People who have experienced this, people who have not experienced this, anyone in power. This is a black and white issue. This is a dichotomous outcome. You are on the team of support or you're guilty. The end. There's no middle ground where you sit there not allowing yourself to be uncomfortable by this and ignore it. That's guilty. Do you understand me? You are on a team. It is time to decide which one and to speak up and get loud. I'm honestly most disappointed that in today's cancel culture of med Twitter and how enraged everybody gets over a scrub company letting somebody have a medicine for dummies book upside down in pink scrubs, that was the end of the world. If you spoke out about that, have you spoken out about this? This is the actual problem, friends, not the marketing mistake. You can think both are problems and be loud about both, and I'm fine with But allowing this incident to go under the radar and say, well, that's just how medicine was. I experienced that too. People just need to learn that's part of the culture. No, 
wrong. This is the stuff we should actually get upset about. This is the stuff we should actually want to change. This is the stuff where we should be freaking furious at times of healthcare. Who are these people who let an organization do nothing? And I know many of their founders have now resigned. But that doesn't mean that the work is done. There's more work than ever to do. And I'm asking you, what team are you on? Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD or follow along on YouTube. I appreciate you. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. I'm Brian Halfrich, a 26-year-old bioethics PhD student and clothing brand CEO. Welcome to my podcast where we talk all things health and wellness, navigating your 20s, and becoming the best version of yourself. So sit down, play that episode, and join The Collective.